Well, thanks again for being here at Grace this morning. Last week, we wrapped up a series called uh, No Spin, Just Jesus, and so that's over. Next week, we start it. By the way, a bunch of you are very glad that that's over, and uh, so we're just standalone uh, today, and then next Sunday, we're invite, uh, we want to invite people in. We're doing another series that's on the cover of your, your bulletin today, and I think that'll be very conducive for, uh, for people in our community, so we're really excited about that. Today we're going to talk about the church. Before I get there, I want to talk a little bit about what, what church did. And uh, last Sunday, as we were wrapping up No Spin, Just Jesus, we, we ended up taking up a, a special offering. We, we do that very rarely. Uh, it had been a long time, a couple years uh, since we have, we've done that. And took up an offering. I'm so proud of you guys for Heartbeat in Fremont and Hope Medical in Tiffin and uh, Tony got that this week, Tony Brubaker, and she's got a word for us as a church. Hi, my name is Tony Brubaker, and my husband John and I became members here at Grace Community within the last year. I'm also the director of the local pregnancy center, Heartbeat Hope Medical, in Fremont and in Tiffin. And one of the roles that I have as the director is to cultivate relationships with area churches. And unfortunately, not all churches support what we do. I have had many church leadership tell me that they are pro-choice and not pro-life, and that they just don't feel comfortable talking about the issue of abortion, um, that they feel that the church isn't the place for that. Um, here at Grace, that is not the case. Um, we get to hear the gospel in its entirety. Um, we get to hear the truth, not just the highlights, not just the good parts, and honestly, that's one of the reasons why we love coming here. Um, we are continually challenged to walk out our faith by action, and last week, Pastor Kevin did a special offering for Heartbeat Hope Medical, and I can't even begin to tell you how encouraged we were at the center by that call to action. And then we were literally moved to tears as you at Grace here responded to that call. It's one of those times when words just fail, when words don't seem like enough. And I'm pretty sure they're not gonna let me do a happy dance for you. So I would just like to say thank you from all of us at Heartbeat Co Medical. Thank you that you are walking with us. And together, we are saving lives. Together, we are changing lives. And together, we are offering the hope of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And honestly, it doesn't get any better than that. So, thank you. Tony and John are... They, they usually kind of hide out in that back section right back over there, and they're kind of right in the middle of it back there, but uh, we, we appreciate them. Uh, we took an offering last week, and Tony said, I'm not going to even tell the Heartbeat people uh, what it is until you get a chance to mention it at church, which I thought that was very nice, but uh, we raised over that offering, brought in over $7,000 for Heartbeat Hope Medical, so we're excited about that. 
And we may do that again next year, and if we do, we're holding out for the happy dance, right? Okay, just, we'll just warn, warn you on that, Tony. So, all right, we are, we're talking about, we're getting right next week, again, new series, but today we're talking about the church. Um, the church is something I can get excited about. It's the most important organization on the planet today. God's idea, God's organization. And sometimes I think it's good for us, if we've been in church for a while, to get a little bit of a review, just to get kind of reignited, refired up. What are we doing here? What's the purpose? What's going on? What's our foundation? All that stuff. And, and if you're a little newer, it's good to just kind of get the concept, the overview, the flyover of what the church is all about. Church today is not just some relic that has been changed and modified to something unrecognizable from 2,000 years ago. Church today is where we tap in and recreate or continue to make happen God's plan, God's hope for the world in the church. We want to be a first century church, a New Testament church. We want to do church God's way, and that's what we're all about at Grace. And so today, just kind of review to get that in our minds, basically just going to answer, although not, you know, for, for some this is new, but answering three basic questions about the church. First of all, when did it get started and what, what's, what's the foundation? And then we're going we're gonna to talk about why the church and, and who is the church. And so those are the, the three questions we want to cover today. And so the first one is, What's the foundation of the church? How did it get started? When did Jesus start it? And the very first mention of the church by Jesus is in Matthew chapter 16. And that's going to be our first text that we're going to look at this morning. And uh, Jesus gives the concept of the church there. He does it in a very interesting place. Uh, the He and the disciples are outside a city called Caesarea Philippi to the north of Israel, and this was a, a, a center for pagan worship. Um, it, it's a beautiful place. I've had the privilege of being there once, and, and the center of it, the reason a town grew up there is there's a huge rock face. Maybe if you could picture like the side of our church building from the outside, a bigger than that, uh, just a huge rock face, and then out from the bottom is kind of a, a low cave and flows a spring. And be, because of that, it was, it was kind of a, a beautiful place. People came, founded a city there. And unfortunately, though, that beauty was marred because pagan worshipers started carving in pagan deities into the rock face. And they actually believed that this was uh, the gate to hell or the, the origin of the, the god Pan, a, a false god. And... Caesarea Philippi, therefore, was a place that Jewish people would avoid. God-fearers wouldn't typically go there because that was, that was the last place in the whole region that you would find somebody who was following God. And now Jesus is with his disciples on the edge of the city. It, it's kind of interesting because there's some higher uh, hills around that area that you could sort of look down on the city from and see the rock face of spring and, and all that stuff. And that's when Jesus asked the disciples that very key question. Basically, who, who, who are people saying 
that I am. We see that in Matthew 16, beginning in verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. By the way, this is the most important question for anyone to answer. Who is Jesus Christ makes all the difference in the world how you answer that question. For example, today, are people saying, well, Jesus is just some mysterious person, great teacher from the past? Is, is Jesus somebody that, that, you know, I wish I could know, but I can't? Or is Jesus somebody you do know as your Savior? But here it continues in verse 15. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because the flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who's in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Right, so, and that, that last part's kind of a controversial part where Jesus addresses Peter confesses Christ as, as Lord, basically as God, and then Jesus says, upon this rock, and then there's this big debate on what's the rock that Jesus is referring to, and, and Catholics typically would teach that Peter, this is Jesus basically saying that Peter is the head of the church and the first pope, and from him there was a succession of popes, which is not true. There is not a hundred years of popes after Peter, it's just Peter. Popes don't show up until later. But the problem with that is there are other issues with that. For example, if, how could it be that Jesus, amongst all the, the disciples, say, okay, Peter, if he's saying you're the Pope, why after this are they arguing about who's the greatest among the disciples? There would be no argument. Jesus already settled that. But that, that's, not, that's not the way they saw that. Or, uh, you know, people would say, well, how is it that Paul, later in his ministry, corrects Peter on a theological issue, and Paul's right, and Peter's wrong. You know, that kind of stuff. And so, we see that that's what makes that controversial, and um, even, you know, Jesus telling Paul later, you know, that, get behind me, Satan. I mean, it's not, not a great thing for if he's the leader or the representative of Christ on church. But what we do know is Jesus Christ here is giving the concept of the church. And he's introducing this organization to the world where God will work in people's lives. And their lives will be changed. Their hearts will melt. The unwelcome will feel welcomed. The guilty will find forgiveness that we will come together in unity of purpose because it will be God's purposes that we will be all about. The church, Christ's church. Well, if that's when Jesus instituted the church, the next question is really, who is the church? Because there can be a little confusion on this. A lot of times in our culture, we say church, and, and a lot of times we're referring to a building. You know, we got a new church building, but we know Church is not the building. When you read church in the Bible, church is always the people, the redeemed, the, the, the saved chosen ones of God. I mean, the people who have come to Christ for salvation. 
That's the church. We are the church, followers of Jesus, transformed by the gospel. And we come together for a reason. We come together because that's part of God's plan. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, he says this about the church. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So he's saying we all come together, and he uses imagery really of the blocks that built the temple. I decided a Lego might be a good illustration today. I came in today and said, do we have any Legos in the church? We got jumbo Legos in the church. Very cool. But what Peter's saying is, hey, we look at the temple and we know that these huge mammoth stones carved for the temple, they were cut from a quarry to exact fit into the spot they were made for. They were each custom made to fit together just like this. That's how, that's how God made us as the church, that we could all fit together. That's how, that's how he wants us to come together. So each of us, when we come together as church, we're like, he's saying we're like part of these building blocks that fit exactly together. But the problem is, if we're not all here, all of a sudden we're missing something. God wants us all to take our part in the church. Well, who should take their part? Every true Christian has come together. And so he uses this analogy of a building. Two chapters later in Ephesians 4, he uses the analogy of a body that were all the different parts of a body. We come together to make the whole body of Christ as a local congregation. And so what he's, and then he goes on to say that he's in gifted each one of us. The Spirit, when the Spirit comes into our lives, gives us gifts for us to use inside the church. Serving, administration, just all these gifts that we come in, that we use in the church for a reason. And God has designed it where every single believer is needed to minister, to serve in the church, to make the church everything that God intends for it to be. And if anybody's not doing that, we're missing key pieces of who we should be as church. We all have a role. If you're a believer and this is your church home, you have a role to play. Every, every one of us. And we need to remember that. And so if you're not serving somehow, if you're a believer and you're part of Grace, you, you should, we want you to find a place of service. Not because we're broken and we're desperate for help, although there are some areas, you know, children, third hour, there's a couple areas where we're just kind of missing some people, maybe special needs class, different things. But the point is, this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is for you to serve. God's equipped you. God's especially equipped you to serve the local church, to serve each other right here. In this church family. And we, we want you to be a part of that. And if, if you're a little fuzzy on that or you don't know where to begin. Or you, we, and, and we don't want you to just serve in some area that you just hate. And you're, and you're doing it joy, joylessly. 
hey, we want to find an area where we will serve with joy. And so that we have a 301 class. Actually, one's coming up in a couple of weeks. It meets third hour. And all that class is is to show you, hey, here's maybe how you took some, you know, here's how God maybe has wired you up as, as different from everybody else. And here are some areas that you can serve in. We, we, we're not going to slap you with a job or anything like that. It's just for you to try to figure out, hey, is there an area that you might really enjoy serving in? After the class is over, you let us know. That's how that works. We don't force it or anything like that. Don't be afraid. Just come and check it out. So if you haven't been to 301 or you're not serving or you haven't been there for a while, two weeks should be in the bulletin during the third hour right over here. Forrest leads that, and, and you should check it out. Because God has a role for every single one of us to play. And of course, I see it all the time. I come in early. I'm, I'm here on Saturday. I, you know, yesterday, guys are here taking care of our lawn, pulling weeds, doing all kinds of stuff. Volunteers. And then come in in the morning. You know, I'm always talking about, you know, we have people making coffee and tea and people preparing for their classes and people rehearsing for music. Just people setting up traffic cones. I mean, just a bunch of people, and then more and more people come in, and they're greeting and, and teaching and just doing all these things. That's the church coming together to make church work, and, and we're excited about that. We're excited about what God, God has given us here, and uh, God's brought us together for a reason, which brings us to the third question, and that is, why church? If church is God's idea, well, what, what's the point? Why? And the why is the mission. God has given us a mission. The church exists for a reason, for a mission. When I was, years ago, I mean, I'm old, but years ago, I used to play football in high school. I love football. I mean, I, a big part of my life back then was football. I played offense and defense, but I loved defense. I was a linebacker. That's, that's what I loved the most. That's what I focus on. I mean, I live to play defense. When it comes to church, though, when it comes to football, I love defense. Broncos, defense, right? I mean, it's defense. But when it comes to church, I love offense, not defense. Why? Because Jesus loved offense. Did you catch what he was saying? He said, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Notice he didn't say the armies of hell will not prevail against the church. He says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He's saying this outside of the most pagan city in the region. He's saying the gates of hell will not, this city cannot keep the church out. These pagans cannot stop the church. The church is the hope of the world. The church will transform people's lives. The church will change families forever. The church, he's saying. He's all about offense, Jesus is. And because of that, so, so are we. The mission can't be just about us here. It has to also be about those out there. We have a mission. We have to be effective so we take our mission and we fulfill what God wants us to accomplish. And as we do that, we realize that culture is always changing. The language of culture is always changing. And so we must change also 
But what doesn't change is the mission that God has given us and the message that he's given us. That can't change. That will not change. That will always be the same. We teach the same thing at Grace that we've, we taught 75 years ago. The message does not change. But the way we do it changes. The way we engage people will change. The way we talk to people will change. To communicate effectively the same message that we've been communicating as a church for 2,000 years. That's what we do. That's what we're all about here at Grace. And I've got to tell you, God's done something supernatural here at Grace. I remember years ago in the old building when people, we were talking about studying church growth and all that, and people were first starting to talk about mega churches. And, and I remember thinking, well, why not Fremont? And nobody's thinking little town, big church. But I'm thinking, well, God, why not us? You're doing it. And, and by the way, if you do it here, everybody, it'll be obvious that you did it and nobody else. And God did it. Everybody is surprised when they, we, we just had some church leaders in here in the last couple weeks, and they're like, wow, who would have thought a church like this is in Fremont, Ohio? You know, we get that all the time. God can do whatever he wants. We just need to stay true to his mission. Emphasize what he emphasizes. Why the church? Because he's brought us together for a reason. And he's given us our marching orders. They're in Matthew chapter 28. It's what we call the Great Commission, right? And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, it's before his ascension, after his resurrection, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's given us our, our marching orders to make disciples and to go to all the nations. And, and sometimes people start arguing about this in, in church leadership, but God is telling us to be wide all nations and deep make disciples teaching them all that I've commanded so wide and deep the problem is churches will tend to either focus one or the other and when they do that the churches that are focusing on wide are not as wide as they think they are and the churches that are focusing on deep are not as deep as they think they are. Let me explain that. The churches that are focusing on wide, the, the danger there is, is we get caught up on numbers. Now, I'm not saying we're, we don't count and everything. We do that. We do that to try to measure what's happening. But if you'll notice, almost all the time, we might have, you know, I don't know every time, but 90% of the time, anytime we talk about people who have come to Christ... We will say X amount of people indicated that they have become Christians. 
There's a reason that we do that. We don't assume that they're believers. We're saying they indicated, they raised their hand, they said they put their faith in Christ. They indicated, so we count that. But we recognize that that it's only when they persevere that we know they're believers. Don't get me wrong. Scripture teaches us that once we, we become a Christian, we don't lose that. We are Christians forever, and there's a lot of Christians that, a lot of passages that very clearly teach that. Although there are some passages that make it sound like people can lose their salvation. Well, why? Well, we know they can't lose their salvation because those passages are overwhelming. But the reason is because Scripture writers are letting us know, don't just assume that if somebody prays a prayer or indicates that they've done this, that they're true believers because true believers always persevere till the end. And so if we know people who have prayed a prayer, but, but now they're just detached from God, they don't want to know God better. They don't spend any time in his word or prayer or they don't come to church. They don't want to be with God's people. Well, then we assume they are not believers because true believers become disciples. True believers are, and this is why we use this term, followers of Jesus. True believers persevere till the end. So it's important for us to make sure that we've got that right because true believers are disciples. So churches who focus on the wide aren't as wide as they think they are because a lot of those people may not even be believers. A lot of those numbers, right? And then the flip is true. Churches that focus just on disciples, churches that focus just on the depth, they're not as deep as they think they are. Because as disciples become closer and closer to God, they will be more and more concerned about the people who aren't believers and more on mission to go to all the nations to win them to Jesus. And all the nations includes your neighbor across the street. It's got to be both. It's got to be both. And so churches who say they're deeper. But they just say, well, we'll let the big churches sort of win people, and then as they kind of get lost in the shuffle, we'll grab them and disciple them. And churches say that. Well, who wants to be a part of a church that is missing the main... Who wants to be part of a church that isn't involved in seeing people come to Christ, be evangelized, be converted, turn to Jesus, put their faith... In Jesus, that's what we're all about. But once they do that, we need to make sure that they grow. We've got to be both. That's what we're doing here at Grace. And I'm telling you, there will be shifts in the future. I don't know when. But we see it in, in other places. Realize that our culture is becoming increasingly hostile to Christians. Our culture is becoming more and more hostile to Christianity and Christians. Christians are a minority in our country and they'll probably be an increasing minority. We need to make sure that we are equipping the next generation 
to live out their Christian lives in a culture that is more hostile to Christianity than our culture is today, because that's coming. We, we can look at, at other Western cultures, like Britain. For in Britain right now, they're saying, as they do a survey, 70% of Britons say they will never walk into a church for any reason. They will never come to a church service. They will not come to a wedding in a church, a funeral in a church. They will not come to Easter or Christmas. 70% of Britons are saying, I will not walk into a church for any reason. And so increasingly, our evangelism has to happen outside the church walls. It's always been that way. But sometimes in culture like now, we, we can actually tell people about Jesus and invite them to church. And people, a lot of people today are still open to coming to church. So we use that as a tool so they can hear more about the gospel. And God can use that to change their hearts. And so we use that in, in our personal attempts to, to help people see God. We invite people to church. Well, that's what Beast Feast is all about, right? We got that coming up. Beast Feast. Th this is not inviting to church. It's like a step. You know, you have that guy that you feel like you, just, you can't, maybe you've talked to him about Jesus or, or you, for some reason, don't feel like you can. So you invited him to church and he said no. And then you invited him to church again and he said no. Well, now, if he said no to you on church about three times, invite him to Beast Feast. There's no easier thing to invite a man to than to come and eat meat. Come and eat all kinds of meat. This is a good thing. Ed will be cooking a lot of that. But come and eat meat. Men love meat. I mean, the purpose, though, is not for all of us to see, hey, what all types of exotic game tastes like. The purpose is for us to reach out in our community and bring men in where we can treat them right, roll out the carpet for them, give, give them a taste, rub shoulders with them, and then use that event to invite them to church the next day. That's the whole point. We're not doing it for us. It's also you can invite your friend. And again, there's no easier thing to invite a man to. And, and if you know a man that loves wild game feeds, invite him. He'll be impressed. This will be the best wild game feed that he's ever been to. That's what we're saying. Right, Ed? That's what Tim said. Yeah, that's, we're, we, no, we're down. I, there's no doubt in my mind. It will be the best wild game feed in this county, I can guarantee you. Now, if you can't invite anybody, I'm not saying don't come. We have plenty of room. Come. Reserve your spot and come. But remember to be on mission. Remember, if you didn't bring somebody, Try to tune in anybody new there that you might know. Make them feel welcome. Sit at the table with the guy that, who, who invited three or four guys and help him get to know these guys and, and give kind of a positive vibe for our church. And then we're just going to get up. We're not going to be heavy-handed. We're just, hey, here's what we're talking about tomorrow. Love to see you there. It's that easy. Why? This church is over the world. Church is God's idea. Church is making an impact. And we want to keep doing that. And our assault on the gates of hell is not over yet. 
And so we will continue to do whatever we can do to spread the gospel. We want to do that as individuals. We want to use church as a tool to share with people the message of Jesus Christ, that that everyone, no matter who they are, that they are loved, cared for, that God has loved them with sacrifice and God invites them into relationship. That's our message. That's what we're trying to do and that's why we're trying to do it. We have a mission and the mission is our message and we want to see people come to Christ. We want to win people. And it's not going to get any easier as the decades roll by. It'll probably be more and more difficult. Now, I'm not saying that like, woe is me, hey, we're going to be persecuted and all that, that, although that very well may happen. The church will survive that. There's no doubt in my mind. The true church will march on. Why? Because Jesus will build his church. I'm not saying, woe me. I'm saying, get ready. The fight is on. Bring it. Because the battle isn't over yet, and our assault on the gates of hell isn't done. So it's okay. It's just going to get harder. But that's all right. We have God on our side, and Jesus isn't finished building his church. And he wants to use us to do it. So we keep bringing his message, proclaiming his word, talking to our family and our friends, raising up our children, equipping them to live out their Christianity in a hostile world of the future. And that's who we are at Grace. We're excited about the changed lives we see. We we saw some of that a couple weeks ago at baptism. You know, where people have said, hey, yeah, I'm putting my trust in Jesus and now I want to go public with my faith. And we see the transformation happening in their lives and we're excited about that. In just a moment, we're going to see a video of all the people who were baptized. We'll have our... Uh, music team up here singing through that. It's going to be a great time. But before we do that, I'd like to pray. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we, we thank you that even though we don't deserve it, you love us. Lord, you've brought us together at, at Grace Community, just one of your churches. Uh, Lord, and we, we thank you for what you've done here at Grace. And, and we know that you're moving in, in all churches where there's true believers. God, we thank you for that. Thank you for building your church also, though, through us. And Father, help us to be faithful to your message. Lord, help us to be faithful to reach out to everyone, all nations, everyone. And also help us to equip people to grow closer and closer to you. Lord, help us to make that happen. And Lord, we thank you so much that we get to see transform lives, changed individuals, changed couples, changed families, Lord. And we see it happening every day, and we thank you for it. And Lord, we thank you for those two weeks ago who followed you in believer's baptism. They, 
they went public with their faith. God, we thank you for that. And Lord, let's celebrate that together. In Christ's name we pray, amen.